ML Nation, episode 280. Even if you're not getting paid for it, it's okay. But give more than what was expected of you. Give more than what you were compensated for. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chess. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. ML Nation, do you want 2017 to be your best year ever? Then you must attend my training event, No BS, No Hype. You can attend either the one in Los Angeles on January 27, 28, 29th, or the one in Australia on the Gold Coast on June 30th, July 1st, and July 2nd. These are three-day events that feature not only me, but you'll also learn from seven-figure and multiple six-figure earners. And right now, you can save up to $400 with the early bird price. Just go to mlnation.net forward slash events. Again, that's mlnation.net forward slash events. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan, and let me ask you, what's your purpose and vision? My purpose in doing what I do is to have a positive impact as many lives as possible, and that's why I founded ML Nation. Now, I'm loud and proud to be in the network marketing profession because I have three beliefs. Number one, network marketing allows us to fulfill our unlimited potential. So write that down. Number two is network marketing allows us to give back more. And I want you, whatever success you have, to give back more. Number three, most important, network marketing allows us to be a better leader at home. It allows us to be better parents, a better spouse, because we're always leading by example. You can take the lessons we learn from these top leaders, from myself, and apply it back to home. And our mission at ML Nation is to empower 10,000 distributors to achieve a full-time income. Now, ML Nation, you must have a clear purpose and vision because otherwise you'll never do the uncomfortable things that are necessary for success to happen. That's why your purpose and vision is so important. It's what's going to pull you and motivate you. And before we start today's show, make sure you check out our partner, Networking Times. If you like ML Nation, you'll love Networking Times. Each issue is packed with amazing training stories just like MLM Nation. Go check it out at mlnation.net forward slash times. And now, I'm super fired up. Let's go to today's training. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan. And I'm fried up to bring a special guest today, my good friend who I've seen him. I've watched him grow over the years. Michael Callejas. Mike, are you ready <laughs> to make it happen? I'm ready, man. <laughs> Michael Callejas has been a network marketing leader with the same company for the last 11 years. He was a millionaire by age 30, and currently he's on track to see the world. Now, most people, when they see they see the world, they don't really define it. But Mike has a specific goal to see, be in all 196 countries by the time he turns 40, thanks to network marketing. Mike is also working on a book called My Ego Is Not My Amigo, which is scheduled to launch in the ebook format in early 2017. So, Michael, I know we're doing this. You're out in Honduras. We hear the birds chirping. Uh, you're living the life. <laughs> But share a little bit with ML Nation how you got started with network marketing. Um, well, I got started in network marketing back in 2005, October. I think everybody remembers their birthday, right? So mine was October 28th. And um, the way I got involved was, you know, after I finished school, I had a couple of jobs. Um, only three jobs, nothing that had to do with sales. I didn't have any really like marketing or health background or product-based knowledge, nothing like that. It was just... A friend had approached me, just like a lot of people get approached in this industry, and my friend was very persistent with me, 
Um, I think it took him about six months to get me to come and see it. And uh, when I came down, I didn't come very positive because just like a lot of people, we've kind of been exposed to the industry and um, we kind of we're, we're not really judging the company or the product. We're kind of judging the experience of other people. And I think that was my big challenge. So when I came down, I came very negative. I thought I knew what it was. I had heard a lot of, uh, I would say, quote unquote, negative opinions. I hadn't heard one positive opinion about network marketing when I first got started. So I think that's why I was very hesitant. But the friend that invited me down, he was doing really well with the company that he was working with. And I thought to myself, man, if this guy could do it, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to build something. So I got involved and um, I actually struggled for a year building my business. It wasn't something that happened right away. Um, you know, it was uh, where I got a lot of people started initially and had a lot of people fall out initially. And I just, I just couldn't find the retention. I couldn't find the speed that was required to really get the business, um, I guess, to kind of like catch that momentum. And um, after a year of kind of trying it out, I almost threw in the towel because it just it didn't seem like it was panning out. But I went to a convention, um, which I suggest anybody who's in a network marketing industry to go to their, their company's convention every year. And when I went to convention, here's what, where it turned around for me. I think the biggest change was that I always thought, well, when I first got involved, I thought that the way you become successful is you find good people. And that was my mentality. Like, I got to find good people. Now, the problem with me was that my, my network was limited. You know, I, I was 23 years old at the time. I didn't have a lot of, like, big player friends or anybody who was, like, a entrepreneur or an investor or somebody who was very influential. So I didn't have a lot of good people. That's why I was very discouraged. But what I learned at the convention was that you don't really find good people. You can develop good people. And I think that was where everything really changed for me. So I accepted responsibility for developing people in my business. And my second year, I made a six-figure income. You know, and like you had mentioned, I went on to become a millionaire by the time I was 30. And now part of my passion is helping people reach different levels of success in network marketing because I think that, you know, everybody talks about the big, big players in the game, right? People making the seven figures, you know, people making multiple six figures, all that kind of stuff. And then people talk about the people who make zero. So we talk about the top 1% and then we talk about the bottom 1% in the industry. But what people forget is that there's a huge group of people in between. People that are making $5,000 a year. People that are making $10,000 a year. So for me, I love the industry because I can help people reach levels of success of whatever it is that they're looking for at that moment. And I think that that never gets acknowledged. Like we never hear like, hey, man, this guy is making $15,000 a year in this company, man. It's amazing. You got to come and check it out. Like nobody ever has that invitation, right? It's always like this guy's making millions or this girl's making, you know, whatever it is. So that's that's kind of what has me going now. And, and like there's no end to this, man. Like I'm going to be doing this until the day that I die because there's always – people looking for solutions, whether it's time solutions, money solutions, or health solutions, there's always a problem that needs to be solved. So that keeps me fired up. Yeah, you brought up a good point how people define success. Sometimes it's about making the millions. But, you know, if you're like a stay-at-home mom, like one of my friends, he's a stay-at-home mom. I mean, he's he works, his job, but his wife is a stay-at-home mom with five kids, and she gets she makes about twenty five, thirty thousand 30000 a year. But to me, I mean, to her, that's success, right? Because that, that beats spend, yeah. sending the kids. She homeschooled the kids. And do you see this trend? We're going to jump right into it because you, you, you have a lot of experience. Do you see the trend changing, how people are more open to, like like you said, the middle ground? Because you're right. Most people talk about either the millions or the people fail. But people forget about that. Do you see right. the trend changing right now? Um, I think as, as you know, people like Eric Worre, people out there that are really evangelizing the industry, even like yourself, you know, 
who are really trying to make network marketing um, as as common as real estate or as professional as like I'm a realtor, you know, or I'm a broker or, or just anything. I'm, I'm a business owner. Like as soon as it becomes more and more um, like normal, I think, yeah, I see it. I definitely see a trend shifting where people can make an extra, you know, just on my travels alone, Simon, I meet a lot of people. And I'll give you one example. Like I met a couple yesterday when I was in Nicaragua. And when I was in Nicaragua, there's a lot of people that do volunteer work. And check this out. This is an interesting concept that I'll share since we have like this large audience right now, right? But this couple volunteers in Nicaragua building homes. Now, they're both college graduates. It's a boyfriend, girlfriend. Both college graduates graduate from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. They have a degree in mechanical engineering. And the girl has a degree in architecture. So they're volunteering building homes in Nicaragua, doing all this stuff. And all they ask for in return is food and housing. Mm. So that's all they ask for in return, right? And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, they're selling themselves short, first of all. But second problem is the fact that they're doing the work for free. It's taking a job away from somebody in Nicaragua. Like, instead of somebody that can feed their family with that job, like, now this person is doing it for free. Yeah, they get a free meal and they get a free housing. And you have somebody with a degree from the United States coming to your country to build whatever it is that they're building. But at the same time, like I just see a challenge there where it's not a sustainable thing, right? Like you're hurting an economy by volunteering in a sense. So I don't know. It's just a different perspective. I'm not saying it's totally wrong. I'm just saying it's looking at it from a different perspective because I talked to the locals. I was living amongst the locals in Nicaragua and they would say like, man, all these people are coming here and they're volunteering. Like I can't even pay my bills now. You know, so it's like it's it's not really solving a problem where I think that if I'm a network marketer, I'm in that country and I'm contributing to the economy because I'm spending money there. I'm eating their food. I'm taking their tours. I'm hiring people who work there locally to show me around. Right. Hiring transportation. It's like, do you see what I'm saying? Like I'm adding to that economy as opposed to taking away. So when I travel, I don't want to be one of those people that's traveling, like mooching off of people in a sense. Like, I want to be a world traveler that's sustained by my own residual income in network marketing. That's very, thank you for sharing that. It's very interesting. Because I think in the, in the Western world, we, when we hear about volunteers, we only see the good side. We don't actually see the yeah. like, people taking away the jobs. Um, going back to your, um, your story, when you first got started, you said you struggled for the first year. What kept you in yeah. the game? Why do you, how come you didn't quit? Because you're young. A lot of people quit afterwards. I mean, you were going through a tough time. You're not making much money. Why stay in the game? Well, I think that there comes a point in this industry when you see it, right? Like, and I know that everybody that, uh, that gets started says like, yeah, yeah, I see it. I see it, you know? But I'm talking about when you really, really see it. Like, when you see that this industry is where it's at. Like, this is really the average person's best chance. And for me, like, I'm not trying to put myself down too much, but like, what else was I going to do, to be honest? Like, did I really want to go out there and start a company, brick and mortar business, did I really want to go out there and pull out a loan, $200,000, $300,000, start a franchise of some kind or start a traditional business of some kind? Like I honestly didn't have the drive and motivation to do that. What I wanted to do was I wanted to do exactly what I'm living now. I wanted to make an income, add value to the planet, but not have this huge commitment where I'm tied down. So it's kind of like it was like a dream come true. Like I saw it very clear. Like I saw that this is the way to achieve the lifestyle that I'm looking for. So once you see it, though, you can't unsee it, right? Like, you can't ignore it. Like, you can't go back to your life and just say, like, yeah, you know, I'm broke and I can't live <laughs> my dreams and there's nothing and there's nothing I can do about it. 
no, no, no. You know there's something you could do about it. The question is whether you're willing to do it and pay the price. Mm. So for me, I, I, I knew that. I knew that it was really up to me. I knew that there was something that I wasn't doing, especially because I had seen so many other people successful. You know, Simon, I'm sure you hear it a lot, right? Like whenever you hear people talk about network marketing that are not too positive, you know, we hear a lot of experts say, yeah, it's only the top 1% that makes income or, you know, this small percentage of people that make it. To me, I think to myself, it's like, that's great. There's people making it. Do you see what I mean? Like there's hope, right? There's a chance. So I think that once I realized that there were people making it in the industry, like I couldn't ignore that fact. Mm. I couldn't say, well, it's they're lucky. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. or something like that. Like I I just never really believed in luck. I believe that people make things happen. And like I said, man, once once I had seen that, I couldn't ignore it anymore. So that was a big thing. Another thing was, you know, the fear of people being right. You know, and that's an ego thing at the same time. But it was like a healthy ego. Like my mom told me, don't do it. Get it, get out of that business. You're never going to make it. You know, older brother being very skeptical, younger brother, you know, telling me that I'm stupid and this and that. Like, so a lot of those things kind of hover in your mind and you don't want them to be right because it sucks, right? For somebody to be right about somebody who's trying to make it, it doesn't just defeat you as a person, but think about how many people have been inspired. And I'm not talking about just my own story, but by all those successful networkers out there. It's kind of like, it's almost like we're taking away so much value from the world by quitting. And I, I can remember that was in my mind. That was on my mind. That was in my heart. Like if I quit, like I'm really quitting on everybody that has a dream to make this thing happen. So I felt a lot of an enormous amount of pressure and responsibility, healthy, not where I was stressed out. And I said like, oh, well, I'm going to do it because I just have to prove something. Like it was more like, no, I need to add value to the world. I need to do this for the right reasons. And that kept me in the game. That's really inspiring. Yeah, I never thought about that. If you quit, you're not just quitting on yourself. You're quitting on everyone else who has hope in this business, right? Because people see you going down. Really inspiring. Let's talk about my favorite question is what is your worst, worst moment in network marketing? (laughs) To the point that, you know, you wanted to quit. Maybe you say, hey, I'm just going to man. But you hung in there, and that's why you learned some valuable lessons, and you are where you are today. Man, you want to take me back there right now? Back all the way (laughs) there. uh... What could be recent? No, um, yeah, I, I would say it, it was definitely not recent. Um, I mean, we always have challenges, right? Like there's there's moments recently where you think like, you know, it's not so much like discouraging as far as like, oh, I'm having a hard time in my business or things like that. And Because you learn how to deal with challenges. You learn how to embrace them, right? Um, so recently, a lot of the things that I think about is what am I doing with my money? Okay, so those are some of the things that I think about now. You know, and a lot of, a lot of times I feel like I live in so much excess, you know, like, I have like a $160,000 BMW. You know, I was telling somebody the other day that my, my rent at my penthouse in downtown LA is $6,000 a month. Could you believe that? It's like, that's so much. Like, I, I feel like this is the last year, Simon, that I'm going to live like this. This is the last year. I'll always be a top income earner. I'm going to work hard and always try to be, you know, adding value to people. But I believe this is the last year that I'm going to live like that. You know, I, have, I just bought a Harley. I have a boat. I have all this stuff. Last year, 2017. So starting 2017, last year I'm living like this. 2018, I think I'm going to re- readjust my, my philosophy a little bit, readjust my values a little bit, and really just focus on taking this money and contributing to places, really making a true difference in the world. So that's the challenge right now. Those are the hard things right now, like the hard things to think about, because I always like the latest and the greatest, you know, new gadgets, new toys, the new Rolex came out, this, that, and the other. But as I travel, I learn how important it is to really add value to the planet and, and more important things than just the, the, the greatest gadgets and the greatest toys. So 
just wanted to share that. But if you want to go back to my biggest problem in network marketing, biggest challenge, this is it for sure. Without a doubt, I get choked up even thinking about this moment. But it was early on um, when I was about to quit my job. So there comes that point where you have to go full time. And I think it's a scary time. Now, for me, I wasn't ready to go full time because I wasn't making enough money to go full time. But I was almost forced into it because I had enrolled somebody who was a heavy hitter in Northern California. Now, I live in Los Angeles. So Northern California is about a six to seven hour drive. It's about a one hour flight or so. And when I enrolled this person, he was him and his wife were very, very committed. So I had to move up there in order to make things happen. I couldn't, you know, I had a tiger by the tail. I didn't want to let it go. So I had to like really give up my job, give up a lot of things. And in the business that I work in, if you're building one leg in this business, one leg doesn't pay a lot, you know, two legs pays, one leg doesn't. So that philosophy, that strategy in my company, it didn't work in my favor. So I was, I was definitely a flamingo in my business where I had one leg that was really rocking and rolling, other leg not so hot, right? It was up like a flamingo. So what had happened was I had moved up there and I was living in a hotel called the Heading Inn on 13th and Oakland, okay? This is a, a, like a Roach Motel. I'm living there and I ran out of money, all right? This is like the worst nightmare for any network marketer out there, like when you're broke. I'm talking about like you're out, you're done, okay? No money left. This is where you don't have credit card limit anymore. You don't have money in the bank account. When you go withdraw, you know, you get or you check your balance, it says that you have like $370 and you're like, oh, cool. And then you see a little negative sign in front of it. And you're like, oh, you know, like I'm, I'm negative in my bank account. So I got to that point. Now I was enrolling people, we were working, but it's just, it's not paying off yet, right? So what had happened was I was driving to a health, to a presentation and on my way to my presentation, I ran out of gas. Okay, so this is like the worst case scenario, right? Wow. No gas, no no money, you know, what do you do? Okay, so I have five bucks in my pocket. That's all I got, all right? You can't really buy a lot of gas with five bucks. So I didn't know what to do, and I, I felt like calling my mom and saying, like, Mom, can you help me out? But, you know, that's not going to happen. So I called my upline, and I told my upline, like, hey, man, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time here. Like, I have no money, and I don't have no gas. Like, can you help me out? And this is what he said. Hey, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. And I thought, okay, bud, but I need like $100. Like, I appreciate the advice, but give me 100 bucks or something because I'm desperate right now. So with that in mind, like, I was kind of upset at my upline at the time. I was like, this guy doesn't understand. You know, he doesn't want to help me. You know, started blaming him, started blaming everything. So I took the five bucks that I had in my pocket, and I went to a 99-cent store in San Bruno. Okay? 99-cent store. Walked in there with my five bucks. Um, they had a Kit Kat deal where you could buy three Kit Kat bars for a dollar. Those king size Kit Kat bars. So bought 15 Kit Kat bars, went outside in my suit. Okay, so I'm wearing my suit. Went outside, started selling them. Wow. Okay? One at a time. One at a time, collecting a dollar per Kit Kat bar. Some people were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just, I'm, an, I'm a struggling entrepreneur. Like, I have no money. I have no gas. Can you help me out? Some people were like, Hey, you know what? Here's 10 bucks, dude. Good luck. And I'm like, here's the kick. He goes, I don't want the kick bar. He goes, good luck, man. I, I, I hope you make it. You know, I wish I would have kept in contact with those people because, you know, I feel like I did make it. But the point is, I remember just standing there thinking to myself, you know what? If this doesn't bring me down, if this doesn't take me out, nothing will. Mm. This is rock. This is rock bottom here. So it can't be harder than this. 
So I kept on doing that for a while until I had about 50 bucks. So I sold about 50 or so kick-out bars. I don't remember exactly how many. Put some gas in my car and continued on. That was the hardest moment. That I, I can always remember so clear. The toughest moment in my network marketing career. I'll never forget it. Whenever I see a KitKat bar, I get like little flashbacks, you know? Wow. So it's just one of those rough moments, but you think to yourself, hey, man, if that's not going to take you out, what will, right? Yeah, that is so inspiring. And that, makes, that reminds me of the saying, there's not a lack of resources, lack of resourcefulness. And you took the exactly. five bucks and got the KitKats. They were 33 cents each, three, four dollars, and you sold them a dollar each and got enough gas. That's right. Wow. So what was the turning point? <laughs> no, I didn't even know that about you. I've known you for a long time. So what was the turning point? When did you start making money, building the other light? What happened? So what had happened was after I had finished, I always tell people this. If you can build one leg, then you can do this business because you just have to do what you did the first time, right? So what had happened was when I was building that first leg, I wasn't focused so much on me. And I think that's what ends up happening, you know? You start looking at your tree, you start looking at your DLM or I'm sorry, at your online business manager, whatever it is, and you start kind of looking at your paycheck and all that, which is fine, but I went a level deeper than that. I started looking at the paycheck of my associates. I started looking at how do I get them paid? Not so much how I get myself paid, right? But how do I get them paid? Like making, making that the target. You know, Bruce Lee always said, you don't strike to hit the target, you strike through it, right? So with that in mind, I was striking through it. I was looking to help my team get paid. And with doing that, that's where I started to see that success come in. And also you start thinking a little bit different because even like your tone, your posture, everything changes because you're not trying to sign somebody up so much for yourself anymore. You're almost doing it for them. Like, hey, man, I'm helping you build your business. Come on. So even like the push is a little bit different. It's kind of like, come on, let's do this meeting, man. It's not a meeting just for me. This is a meeting for you. Come on, let's do this. Let's make these calls for you. Let's do this for you and for your team. So that type of attitude and mentality, I think that was a turning point. So when I kind of got that going on one leg, I applied that same philosophy in a different leg. And to this day, I, I still do it the same way. I always, I mean, Jim Rohn said it best, right? You help enough people get what they want, you can have everything you want. Or I'm sorry, Zig Ziglar said that. But Jim Rohn references that. So helping enough people get what they want. And in this business, it's cool. Because if you can help 10 people make $100 a week, I'm pretty sure with any compensation plan, that'll be a pretty good payday for you. So sometimes you can't help people make the $10,000 a month, right? But what if you can help 20 people make $1,000 a month? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like there's, all, there's different ways, there's different strategies to do this. So for me, like I don't, I don't uh, look past a lot of those little deals happening. Yes, good stuff. Hey, um, you had mentioned one of your turning points at convention with developing leaders. So what are some tips you can share about developing leaders aside from getting them these small wins, these small details? What else can you do? Well, I think the first thing is teaching them, number one, that you have to accept responsibility, right? And accepting responsibility is easier said than done, you know? Accepting responsibility for all the good things that happen to you and accepting responsibility for all the bad things that happen to you. Now, I know some things you may think are out of your control, and I'm not here to debate you on that. But the more you accept responsibility for, the faster you can change things. Right? The less you accept responsibility for it, the slower the process is because you have to wait for somebody else to act before the change happens. So I, I think that that's the biggest thing when developing a leader. I, I'm not telling them, like, this is your fault. It's all because of you. You're a bum. You're a loser. Like, <laughs> it's not so much that. It's more so understanding, like, hey, where are we at? What could we do? It's not what happens. It's what we do about what happens. So really working on the philosophy of the person. But that all comes from Jim Rohn. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to 
to, to Jim Rohn it the whole way here. But I think that, you know, once you start getting into personal development and really developing that philosophy, I mean, everything changes, especially for me. I know, just like you know, Simon, you can't be with your downline the whole time. You know, a lot of people try to babysit their downline and, you know, try to hold them by the hand. And, you know, a lot of people do this too, right? I've, I've seen this. I've done this myself where I say, I trained my associate. I spent hours and days training my new associate and then they quit. Well, you spent time training them on skill set. But remember, without the right philosophy, nothing works. So you got to almost develop the mindset before the skill set. So for me, I spent, I do the first thing is developing that mindset. And the way to do that is obviously coaching them, right? But beyond that is giving them a personal development tool that you guys can connect with. It's like you've seen the same movie. You've read the same book. You've listened to the same audio. You're speaking the same language. Because until somebody speaks my language, I can't really have a conversation with them. You know what I mean? Like you can't really coach them. You can't really train them. Because I can tell them, look, this is the invite script, which, you know, I think you're great at that. You give a lot of great scripts. But you can give them the best invite script, but the, the law of averages still applies, right? You talk to 10, get two. So if you give them the great invite script, they talk to five, get five no's, and they quit. See, it wasn't that the, that the, that the script didn't work. It was that the, the philosophy was not applied, which is the philosophy of the law of averages. Does that kind of make sense? Yes, so, yes. So, so for me, that's what it really comes down to. And I think that's what separates uh, not just me, but I think the leaders in this industry, people that are really killing it versus people who are having a hard time with it and blaming themselves and saying, I'm a bad leader. And I'm like, no, no, you're not a bad leader. You're just spending all your time teaching them skills when you should be teaching them philosophy because without it, the skill set doesn't even make a difference. So you're coming up with a book called My the Ego is Not My Amigo. Talk a little about right. that. Talk a little bit about that. <laughs> Okay, cool. Cool. So uh, one of the things that my mentor taught me when I first got involved in the industry was he said, hey, Mike, your ego is the most expensive thing that you own. All right. So that's like a defining a defining statement in my life, because I thought to myself, yeah, like, you know, if I don't have the things that I want, why is it? What, what, what's holding me back? And he goes, well, you have to think of it this way. If you could have everything that you wanted being exactly the way that you are, then you should already have it. Right. Why don't you have what you want? Because you have to make a change. And a lot of times when people think about ego, they think about people who have a big head or people who talk a lot or whatever it is. But ultimately, ego can be defined pretty simple as magnifying your value beyond your current result. So a lot of times people do that, right? They think like, oh, yeah, I know this. I know this. I know this. But if you know it, then why don't we see the result? So really, you don't know it. Because if you did, you would see the result. So in my book, I share a lot of great ideas and not just for myself, but from experiences that I've had, conversations that I've had with thousands and thousands of people all over the world about five different things. So the first thing is, so you look at your hand, and in the book we have this exercise where we say, look at your hand, right? So you look at your hand, there's different fingers. The middle finger stands at the center of everything. That's your spirituality. So when we talk about spirituality, I think a lot of people kind of get uneasy because there's different spiritual beliefs all over the world. What I'm asking people to do is, Respect other people's spirituality, but have, have something of your own. So think of it this way, Simon. What, who's your cell phone provider? AT&T. Okay, so I'm on AT&T too. But we have people that have Verizon, right? Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm over here in uh, Honduras, and they use Claro out here. Okay? And then people have Sprint. People have uh, uh, T-Mobile. People have whatever. So everybody has a different way to get on. 
But ultimately, we're all connected. So if you're not connected on some level, it's hard to communicate. It's hard to build relationships. Because when you think that you're better than people, or when you think that you're less than someone, it's hard to build a real relationship. See, I never see myself as more or less than anybody. I see myself as, as an equal to everybody. So, and that's because of my spirituality, my spiritual foundation, that I'm created equally amongst all my brothers and sisters, you and everybody else, right? The seven billion people on the planet. So that's the beginning. And that's what the, the book kind of dives into early on. So the middle finger is spirituality. The ring finger is relationships. Okay? So try this little exercise real quick, Simon. I want you to try this. So put your hand flat like this on the table. Okay. Like that? Yep. All right. And tuck, tuck your middle finger in like that. Okay. All right. So lift up your pointer finger. It's easy, right? The pointer. Yeah. Yes. All right. The thumb, easy, right? Yes. The pinky, easy. Yes. All right. Try to lift up your ring finger. <laughs> Hard. You see? Yeah. <laughs> so, so in a sense, without when your spirituality is tucked in like this, you can't even pick it up. Hmm. So that's what I'm saying. Like It's hard to build relationships. When you don't have that spiritual connection, to some extent, it doesn't have to be, you know, a particular religion. It can even be uh, a philosophy in a sense. Because I know some people say, like, I'm not a Buddhist religion-wise, but I have Buddhist philosophy, right? I'm like, that's great. But it's still some spirituality. There's still something there where you can connect with people, okay? So, anyways, so spirituality, relationships, health, your career, and contribution. So, those are the five chapters in the book. It's a short book. But we, we touch base on all of those things and how the ego plays a role in some of those areas. Actually, plays a, it's the one thing that's going to hold you back from reaching success in any of those things. Really good. Very, very good stuff. Um, definitely, we'll link it to the show notes when the book comes out on the podcast. Uh, this will air. I mean, right awesome. now, we're recording November. It will air like in February. Uh, we would definitely Sweet. put it in there. Um, talk Thank about, you. you know, one thing, you know, talk about goal setting, you know. And uh, I think the one thing I find inspiring is, a lot of people say very generic, and you know, goal setting. If it's like I want to make a lot of money, or I want to travel around the world, it never really happens, right? But in your right. bio, you talked about you don't you want to see the world 196 countries by the time you turn 40. So share That's about right. your passion. <laughs> Some people just want to go to the nice places, but you want to go everywhere. And I know obviously That's network right. marketing is allowed you to do that. What drives you? Because that's very very motivating, very inspiring. I think what drives me when it comes to traveling, number one is perspective. So perspective for me is like key. It's, it's at the center of me. You know, whenever I interact with people, I always try to see it from their perspective. And when you haven't traveled a lot, it's really hard to see things from a different perspective. You know, even people in the United States, you know, I talk about this all the time. You know, the sense of entitlement, you know, the sense of like not appreciating what we have. You know, we just had the election. I'm not going to get political, of course. But we just had the election and people are already complaining, right? People are already saying like, oh, I'm going to leave the country. You know, forget this, that and the other. And I hear all this stuff and I'm thinking like, man, everywhere I go, people are dying to come to the United States. Like I met somebody in a small village when I was driving across Bosnia, right? So I drove across the country of Bosnia. And when I was in Bosnia, um, the group that was with me, one of the gals needed to use the restroom. So we pulled over in a small village. She walks in and she knocked on the door. She goes, can we use your restroom? I'm so sorry. you know. And they were like, yeah, sure, come in. So they brought her in. She used the restroom. And I was talking to one of the people that was uh, outside this little girl that was playing. She's probably maybe like 16, 17 years old. And she said, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from L.A. She goes, that's my dream. She goes, that's my dream. I want to go to Los Angeles. And I want to see Hollywood. And I want to see, you know, all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I live there. You know, like I live in her dream. And not just, not, not just me. 
you know, 13 million people live there, right? So I'm letting you know, it's it's unbelievable, like, the perspective that you gain when you travel. Also, just being being reasonable, being nice to other people. I mean, that's, that drives me so much, Simon. I don't know if you get it as much, but wherever I go, I always get the question, what are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, what are you? I'm like, oh, well, I mean, I'm an American. I was born in Los Angeles, you know? And I don't get offended. I'm just saying that when you hear that type of thought process, it's just they're put, trying to put you into a box of some kind. And it's not the question of like, where are you from? Because I'm curious to know what you can teach me about your country. and what. It's not so much that. It's more like, what are you? You know what I'm saying? Like that type of thought process to me is I dream of a world seriously where that doesn't exist, where people are just embracing each other as equals and they have conversations. You know what I mean? Real conversations. They're connecting with other people. They're treating other people with respect. Like that perspective has been gained through my travels mm. wherever I go. Like I know as an American, you know, people always say like, oh, yeah, we don't like Americans. You know, or you go to certain countries, they don't treat people the same. I was actually traveling uh, to France and I spent some time in Paris and I ran into this couple who had little Canadian maple leaves on their, um, on their luggage. And I go, Oh, Hey, I was like, you guys are from Canada. And they're like, no, we actually only put that on our bag because they treat us nicer. If we, if we say that we're from Canada, Wow. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, what the heck? I couldn't believe it. I'm like, where are you guys from? They're like, Oh, we're from, we're from, uh, from, I think it was from Boston or something. But the point I'm trying to make is, that perspective that's gained by traveling, Simon, is priceless. Yeah. Priceless. You develop this this awareness, this this love for humanity that's unparalleled. So there's one thing that I suggest is for people to get out there and see the world. Not just the nice places, right? Like you mentioned. Not just the nice places. Go spend some time in El Salvador. Like I'm talking about in the slums of El Salvador. And you'll see what people what people appreciate there. You know, I was saying in Nicaragua, I was saying in a remote place. I had no Wi-Fi, no no, no cell phone signal. And when I got there, I said, what's the most important thing here for you guys? You know what they said? Water. Hmm. They said, what? How many people do you know, Simon, if you ask them, what's the most important thing right now in your life? They say water. You know? <laughs> like, nobody says water. You know what I mean? Everybody says, uh, my most important thing is my, my cell phone or whatever it is, right? Like, it's just interesting to see that, you know? So while I was there, the lady is like, here, let me wash your clothes. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, I'm good. I was like, I'm not going to have you wash my clothes. Are you crazy? That's such a valuable resource here. So I just brought the dirty laundry with me, you know, because it's understanding, like, what's really, really important in the mm. world. So so that, that drives me. That motivates me. Um, as far as answering the question about goal setting and how you do it, I always think this. Like, let me give you one example, and I'll wrap it up with this. But let's just say, for example, if I tell you, hey, Simon, um, we're going to go see – Laker, a Laker game. I know you're a Laker fan, right? Uh, we're going to go see the Lakers play courtside. I got two tickets for us, okay? Are you excited? Yeah. Courtside, right, yes. Courtside, like, okay, yeah. a couple thousand dollar tickets, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're excited. So you're, you're automatically, you got a little smile, right? You're like, yeah, hey, that sounds fun. Okay, cool. And I say, yeah, but we're going in the year 2025. Okay, <laughs> it's like all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, whatever. Kinda, okay. Well, it's so far away that it's hard to get excited about it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So in the in this business, especially in network marketing, I think it requires a lot of enthusiasm to succeed. So whenever you set goals, you got to set goals that are like right in front of you. Like so when it was traveling, like I started traveling to Vegas. I mean, that was like my first destination because it was a way to see the whole world in one day. 
You know, I, there's New York is there, Egypt is there, you know, France is there, you know, Italy is there. Like, they have everything there, right? So I think for me, initially, it was going to Vegas, taking trips to Vegas. And then it was going to, down to Mexico, to Rosarito, right, driving distance. Then it was just driving up the coast. You know, some people say, like, oh, yeah, I don't travel. I don't have the money. You know how much it costs to rent a car in Los Angeles? If you rent a cheap car, like I'm talking like go through orbits, right? It would cost you maybe 20 bucks a day. If you split no. that with four others, that's five bucks a day. Are you kidding me? That's enough to drive up the coast and enjoy the beautiful scenery along Highway 1. Go through Big Sur, California. Drive all the way up to San Francisco. It's unbelievable. One of the most breathtaking places in the world that I've seen ever is right there along California. But I know people who live in California and they've never gone. So that already tells you, Simon, that it's it's not that they're not dreaming, it's that they're not setting the goal. Yeah. The goal should be immediate. Like, hey, next week, I'm going to make enough money to pay for my $5 for my rental and, you know, the 10 bucks shared with three others for gas and we're going up the coast. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, definitely. It's got to be something that we can get excited about right now, right now. Not, not excited a year later, right? And four people can spend like $7 a day for a Roche Motel. Right. Exactly. Hey, Air, Airbnb. Airbnb nowadays is yeah. the best. You know, you brought up a great point because, like, uh, like um, was Jim Rohn or Zig Ziglar or Brian Tracy said, you're where you're going to be five years from now by the people you meet, the books you read, and the places you travel. Right. And I think you brought right. up a great point. Even if people in LA spend five bucks a day to rent a car for a friend, spend seven dollars to stay in a Russian hotel, they just travel from LA to Utah, the whole view of the world will change. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Like, beautiful. You know, think about this. Even Catalina Island, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Live in Southern California. Just take the boat yeah, over. It, yeah, it's like buy a ferry ticket, go to Catalina Island. Some people say, I want to go to Hawaii. Well, get to Catalina first. You know, if you can't get to Catalina, I don't know if you're ever going to get to Hawaii. <laughs> so it's, it's you got to take those baby steps, man. And that's something that I've been, I don't know if I had it before or not, but I'm always the kind of guy that says, let's go for it. Let's try it. Let's do it. Right? Not so much thinking. Thinking creates fear. Action cures fear. Let's go for it. Let's do it. And that sort of philosophy has gotten me to take some pretty uh, pretty big trips. You know? mm. Let's uh, A couple more questions and we'll wrap up. Okay? Um, since you're, you're a leader of a lot of experience, where do you see network marketing headed to? And I guess related to that is, do you see people more open to network marketing now than when you first started? I do see people more open in the sense where we've gotten past the whole it's a scam and it's illegal so i think people have gotten kind of past that already right i think now we're in a whole thing where is it morally correct you know or is it ethically correct i think that's where we're at now with a lot of people i see that struggle where people say like yeah i like it i know it works i know it's good but i don't know if it's something that i want to do mm -hmm. i don't know if it's something that's good for me or something that i would want to introduce to my friends or whatever so we see a lot of moral dilemmas Okay, now I totally empathize with those people. So my tip and my suggestion for people that are dealing with that is make sure you truly believe in what you're doing. Like you true, you're sold on it. I'm not talking about like you see the dollar signs and you're just like, yeah, let's go make money and all this, because that's another common thing. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of that too, Simon. Right? Like people are just throwing money at network marketers like crazy, and we're having these companies just spawn out of nowhere and and it seems like a good thing but are people really really sold it's like are you really doing a good thing or not you know and i think it comes back to that because people have always told me like mike 
You know, you've been with the same company for 11 years, you know? You know, you can make more if you do this, you can make more if you do that. There's this new startup, you know, we'll give you uh, a million bucks if you come over here, you know, that sort of thing. And for me, it's just like, I know, but if I do that, like, I don't feel right about what I'm doing. So I always think that you need to feel right about what you're doing. So whenever you choose a network marketing company, really look at it, does it feel right for me? You know, and I feel like the company that I chose, like, it felt right for me. And, and it doesn't feel right for everybody. But I'm saying whatever you do, make sure it feels right for you where you truly feel like you're adding value to people versus just making a paycheck. I think once we get that and people kind of get their head around that, we can overcome the moral dilemmas in the industry. Mm. Really good stuff. Hey, as we, uh, by the way, we're going to wrap up the show. Some really quick questions to pick your brain and these could be really short answers, okay? MLM Nation, do you want to grow your business faster and make 2017 your best year ever? Now, you must go to my training, No BS, No Hype USA in Los Angeles or No BS, No Hype in Australia on the Gold Coast. Now, you've probably already seen on Facebook what people have said about my training workshops, so the videos, what I've done in Australia. And now I'm bringing my No BS, No Hype training to North America as well. This three-day event is on January 27, 28, 29 in Los Angeles and will feature not only three days of training for me, but you also learn from seven-figure and multiple six-figure earners. And right now, you can get up to $400 off. Yes, you can save up to $400 and get your early bird tickets at mlnation.net forward slash events. And for my friends down under in Australia, I've got something super exciting for you as well. We're also doing our first major big generic training event in Australia and the Gold Coast on June 30th, July 1st, and July 2nd. This would be at least 10 times better, I promise. If you like my previous trainings, this would be at least 10 times better than my normal workshops. Go check it out at mlmnation.net forward slash events. Now, if you listen to ML Nation, you already know how the major breakthroughs for almost all the leaders came at an event. And now it's your turn to have that breakthrough. So go make the best investment you can today and attend No BS, No Hype. Go to mlnation.net forward slash events. Again, that's mlnation.net forward slash events. And I look forward to seeing you there. First one is, what is one of your favorite success quotes that motivates you? I think um, one of my favorite quotes... Oh, man, there's so many. Okay, I would say from Jim Rohn, people can do incredible things if they had incredible things to do. But when people have nothing to do, there's no telling what they'll do. That's one of my favorites. Mm, that is good. Can you repeat that again? That's so good. I think people need to hear that again. <laughs> if they... So he said, people can do incredible things when they have incredible things to do. But when people have nothing to do, there's no telling what they'll do. That is so good. What is one habit that's helped you become successful? I think, um, hmm. I think I would say imagination. I would say, you know, imagining things, it, it's kind of a habit, you know, because a lot of people imagine, but you imagine the worst. You know, I always hear people say this, hey, hope for the best, but expect the worst. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. And I'm like, you're crazy. Don't do that. I tell them, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. You know what I mean? Be prepared for the worst. You know, but don't don't expect it, right? Because you expect it, that's what you're gonna get. So I think that it's just a practice of imagining a good outcome. And you know, when I talk to someone, Simon, like when I'm having a conversation with someone, um, and and we kind of get onto the topic of network marketing, or you know, when it's kind of like turned, it's gone from friend to maybe prospecting a potential business partner. 
right away, I started imagining that person on stage. I started imagining them with their team and living their dream and telling their story. And I, I start to imagine that. Like, it starts unfolding. Like, some people say, like, oh, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. I, I do. I imagine them, like, as, as a top leader in the industry and inspiring thousands of lives. I, I, I do that. I imagine everybody there because I do believe that everybody can do it. What is the best piece of advice you ever received? Uh, best piece of advice. Oh, man. There's so many, so many. Okay, I would say the one that kind of stands out, that it came, it came much later in my career, but the one that came that stood out the most was uh, Dr. Dennis Waitley gave this to me. He said, always give more value than the money you receive for the service. Always give more value. Hmm. So I, I, I like that because sometimes we kind of just do enough, right? Like we, you know, we do enough to get the job done. But for me, I always think it's like, no, it's not about just getting it done. It's really going beyond what's expected of you, giving more than what's expected of you. Even if you're not getting paid for it, it's okay. But give more than what was expected of you. Give more than what you were compensated for. That's probably the best advice I've ever received. Hmm. Next question. How old are you now? 30? I'm 34. 34. What? Yeah, I, I, got a beard. I got a beard right now, so I don't look that young. But when I shave, I look like 29, you know? <laughs> what advice would you give your 25-year-old self? 25 year old self. Oh man. Where were you at that stage at that time at 25? You, you, you're, you're full time in network so, marketing. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was already doing well. At 25, I was already a six figure earner. Um, but if you go further back, if you go like to 23, 24, when I really started kind of coming up in the industry, you know what I would get? I, I know what I would give my, my younger self. I would say, don't argue with your parents, don't argue with your family, don't argue with your friends. You know, I believe that that's probably the biggest mistake I made early on. You know, obviously, I've, I've have good relationships with my family and all that kind of stuff. But there's some some things you can never take back and some words that leave a lasting impression. And I think early on, you know, I had some hard and heated conversations with my mom and with my brother. And, you know, I regret it. Like, those are some of the regrets that I have. So if you're new in the industry, be patient. Be patient with people. Not everybody sees it the way you see it and as fast as you see it. Don't say something that, you're, that your 34 or 35-year-old self is going to regret because you're going to make it. And when you make it, you don't want to have those types of feelings. You don't want to have those types of regrets. For me and my mom, like I love my mom to death, you know? But I can remember getting into like arguments and saying, you don't understand. You know, you're not an entrepreneur. You're not a millionaire. That's why you don't get it. You know, harsh, harsh mm. comments like that. And I, she's my mom. I'm sure she forgives me, you know? But if I could go back, I wouldn't have said it. Number two is, I don't know if you know this, but I don't drink and I don't smoke. I don't drink alcohol, zero, okay? And I would say that when I started coming up in the industry, when I started making a lot of money and I didn't have to go to work anymore, partying was like a big thing, you know? Because before, I was like, I can't party, I'm broke. But once I started making, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars a week, I thought, man, now I can party all day. Like, I don't even have to go to work tomorrow. This is great, right? I don't have to be up early tomorrow. So spending money on alcohol and bottle services and things like that, I would say if I could go back, you know, a bottle service in Vegas, I can remember spending like two grand or three grand on a bottle service in Vegas. You know how many countries I can see for three grand? Mm -hmm. <laughs> how much of a difference I can make in people's lives with three grand out here? So, yeah, I would tell my, my younger self, like, you don't need that, man. You don't. 
And now I don't, like I said, I don't drink at all. Not even a sip, not even a beer. I've been offered so zero, okay, because I'm high on life. Like that's that's where I get my my buzz or my high or whatever you want to call it. Like that's what it's all about for me. By the way, I was just in the UK this past weekend, and they were talking about how you didn't drink, and they were impressed with you. So we're, we're talking behind <laughs> yeah. your back, but saying good things about you. <laughs> awesome! I'm glad people remember that about me. Yeah. Because before they remember, hey, remember when Mike was, you know, in the toilet, right? He was, <laughs> his head in the toilet. Yeah, I don't want people remembering me like that anymore. And it took time, you know, it took time for people to realize that I've made this change. What's your favorite prospecting tool? So, say you have a qualified prospect. Uh, what do you do? You send them a newsletter? Or do you do a webinar? Do you do a three-way call? What do you like to use? I always, I mean, I'm a little old school when it comes to that. I'm still learning um, how to use like Instagram and social media and all that. Um, but my, my favorite tool is still building that, building that relationship, you know, really establishing a relationship, not treating them just like a number, you know, but more so treating them like a friend. Because one thing that you know very well is people can change over time, right? And situations change, circumstances change. So people that I've built a friendship with and even if I approach them and they're not interested, surprisingly, a year, two years, three years later, because I'm still in the industry, because I'm still with the same company, People will come back to me and say, hey, are you still doing that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up? They're yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it now. And I'm like, oh, cool. Let's see. But if I didn't have that relationship early on, I don't think they would have had the confidence or that that easy uh, that easy feeling of coming to talk to me like a friend where they could open up and be vulnerable, right? And say, hey, you know what? I, I kind of need more right now or I'm looking for more right now. Can, can, can you help me out? Can you work with me on this? Hmm. So, um, so what tool would you actually use? So just say you have the relationship built and I'm interested. Would you sh- send me a video, what, what video link, or no, you actually present to I, the person? I, yeah, I still do a presentation. I'll use an, a, a very simple PowerPoint and maybe 20 slides, no more than that. And if it's more slides, but just under 40 minutes, hmm. like doing a presentation under 40 minutes. I know 40 minutes may seem like a long time, and I think that it is. It is a long time. But if you're looking to build a long-term relationship, sometimes you need a little bit of time to develop that, right? So I, I still do a PowerPoint presentation, and I can do it in person. Because of the internet now, of course, I can do it over Skype or you know, GoToMeeting or whatever it may be. So, What's your yeah. favorite app on your phone? Or do you have an online resource like a Dropbox, Evernote that you could recommend? <laughs> favorite app on my phone? Oh, man. I would have to say <laughs> I mean, per, on a personal level or on a business level? Anything. Um, on a personal level, I would say my favorite app on my phone is probably Orbitz. Honestly, or orbits or or Airbnb hotels tonight, like Skyscanner, like those are like my favorite apps, like no joke. Because like when I got to Honduras, I didn't even have a place to stay. Like I booked it on the fly, you know. I landed and then here we go, right? Rented a motorcycle here, got the whole thing, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, so, that's cool. That's very cool. So that's so those are my favorite apps. But business wise, um, I mean, every company has their own tools, right? So just having the app from my company, that helps me a lot too. Just checking volume, sales, checking things like that, how to communicate with my team. So those things. So the app from my company, I would say, is my favorite. What's one book you could recommend? Um, hmm. Oh, man. There's so many. There's so many books. I would say one that can help you, whether you succeed in network marketing or not, or decide to take it to the top. I would say How to Win Friends and Influence People is probably one of my favorite books of all time. Um, I know it doesn't really talk about the millionaire mindset and you know all that stuff about like being hardcore and this and that, but it does help you communicate with people, which is going to be a very valuable skill if you're going to be successful in anything. 
not just business. And, Mike, here's the last question, the million-dollar <laughs> question. Are you ready? Oh, my God, I'm nervous. What is it? <laughs> Imagine you had to start all over again, and you knew no one. So you didn't even know your family. Didn't, your contact list was zero. But you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. What's the first thing you do or the first place you go to find prospects and build an MLM business from scratch? Hmm, where would I go? Well, I always say follow the money, right? Follow your money. So I'll give you an example. What do you, what are things that you like to do? You know, and once you ask yourself that question, I think you'll know where to find your prospects. So if you don't have anything that you're doing right now, then start thinking about things that you're curious about. Cause a lot of people say, you know, I don't have any passions and passion is a very strong word, which kind of intimidates people at times. So I don't even ask people, what are you passionate about anymore? Because People say, I'm not passionate about anything, and now they feel like they're inferior, right? So I ask people, what are you curious about? What are some things that strike curiosity in your life? I'll say, oh, you know, I'm kind of curious about this, that, and the other. Okay, so when you find out what you're curious about, when you find out what interests you, what interests you start pursuing those things, and you'll find people. Like for me, I play ice hockey, and that's where I've found some of my leaders on my hockey team. Another thing that I do is I'm a big movie guy. So I go to the Toronto International Film Festival. I go to Sundance Film Festival. So I do a lot of that. So there's a lot of moviegoers that whenever I meet someone and we click on that level, I say, what's your favorite movie? Oh, that's cool. It's like you're able to kind of build conversations around that. So another thing that I do is I scuba dive a lot. People when I scuba dive, I'm making friends there. I travel a lot. So I meet people there. So wherever you go, you're going to meet people. So get involved in something. The last thing you want to do is just stay home. You know, don't stay home. Get out there and start start meeting some people. Awesome. Even shopping. I, I, I like shopping too. So wherever my favorite stores, I go there. Get the business card from the person who works there. You know, my biggest leader to this day was was from Macy's. So there you go. They're at they're at Macy's. That's where I would go first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. As you wrap up, any last words of advice? And then, what's the best way listeners can connect and contact you? Um, I would say the best way is follow me on Instagram. I think Instagram is like the new thing right now. It's easy for me to kind of like do my my story on there and you know post pictures and do stuff like that. So follow me on Instagram. So it's Mike.Callejas. So M-I-K-E dot C-A-L-L-E-J-A-S. So you can follow me on Instagram or you can follow me on Facebook and just look me up, Michael Callejas on Facebook. And any last words? You know what? I have nothing left to say, man. I think we said it all. We left it all out on the table. But thanks for having me on the, on the show, Simon. I love what you're doing. You're doing a great thing. Keep it up. ML Nation, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today, you've been hanging out with Mike Callejas. So keep <laughs> up the momentum and go to MLNation.net and just type in Mike. At the search bar, you see Callejas, C-A-L-L-E-J-A-S. You see him, definitely connect with him. His Instagram and all the nuggets of wisdom he talked about will be right there. In order to be successful in network marketing, you must help others. So, Mike, thanks again for sharing your valuable time with ML Nation. We're grateful to you, and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Hey, Mike, thank you so much again, and God bless you. All right. Take care, Simon. ML Nation, don't forget, if you want a major breakthrough in your business, then you must go to my training, No BS, No Hype USA in Los Angeles, or No BS, No Hype in Australia on the Gold Coast. And right now, you can save up to $400 with an early bird ticket. Just go to mlnation.net forward slash events. Again, mlnation.net forward slash events. And I look forward to seeing you there. ML Nation, this is Simon Chan. And a great show for Mike 
Callejas. Make sure connect with him. Just put Michael or Mike at the search bar, mlnation.net, and you see him. His last name is Callejas, which is C-A-L-L-E-J-A-S. And connect with an awesome guy. You know, I've actually known Mike for over a decade now, and just watching him grow has been very inspiring. And watching, um, not just, he, you know, he talks about just the, about the skills, but mindset. Watching him grow as a mind, as a leader, is super inspiring. And this interview was actually really deep. It's not just about the uh, skills, but the mindset of who you got to become, right? And he talked about the traveling, and I so agree with that. Like, that's one of the things I plan to do. Uh, with my kids, when I get a little bit older, take them to travel, you know, from the place I've been to, to the Philippines, um, to Malaysia, the third world countries, just, just Thailand, just seeing that give you a different perspective, makes you grateful for what you ha- what we have already. doesn't matter if you're in the first world country. And also, so, you know, sometimes you don't need to travel to a different country. You can just travel into a different city or a different state. Like you talked about it, right? If you live in L.A., you just rent a car. You can rent a car for $30, $40, maybe $30 um, for four people. Travel somewhere. Expand because you get a different perspective of things. and being So you know you're more grateful for what you have already. Now, his journey, he was negative for a long time. He only heard about negative things. The reason he joined was because he saw someone else can do it. And he said, as long as 1% of people can do it, then that's all that it, right? All it takes. If 1% can do it, that means the business can work. And that is so very, very powerful, so, so true. As long as one person can do it. And he also talked about, most people talk about the negative, like the people would fail, like, right? And then talk about the millionaires. But he forget about a big chunk of middle in the between who are earning, and maybe some of you who are listening here, earning a couple hundred or one or two or 500 or maybe 3,000 a month. There's a huge group of people that, that the people tend to don't talk about. Right? Now, Michael's turning point was he struggled for a year, and his turning point was when you went to the first event. Again, you have to go to events, 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 events. You have to go to events. He went to an event, and he found out that it wasn't just about finding good people. It's about developing good people, developing them. And number one, how do you develop someone? you got to teach them to accept responsibility, and you got to work on the mindset. Philosophy. I think a lot of times people feel that they're teaching on skills. And most people think they need better skills. But the reality is they need better mindset and philosophy and attitude. Right? That's why when you're training, your training should be focused on should be focused on mindset and stories, motivating stories. Because you know, he talked about it. If you can't give them on the uh, same mindset, you can't speak the same language, you're on the different wavelength. Right, so give them a self-development tool. You can give them ML Nation, or give them Jim Rohn, or give them something like Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Dennis Whaley, something. Okay, or Dale Carnegie, something to teach them to grow their minds. Because when you grow their minds, they will grow their income. Because you know you can have the best skills in the world, but no mindset, the person's going to fail. But you have the best mindset, work on philosophy, the way you look at things, you can be successful in this business. So it's all about mindset, mindset, uh, and working with the people on that. You know, it's so inspiring, that story, his worst moment. I think I've out of how many, almost 300 interviews on ML Nation, that was probably one of the best ones I ever done, ever heard about, you know, running out of gas at $5. And that's the thing, right? It's not about a lack of resources. It's the lack of resourcefulness, right? $5, he went to, uh, get, you know, store, $0.99 cent store, got five Kit Kats. Each Kit Kat was a dollar for three. You know, if you don't know what Kit Kat bars are, the chocolate wafer things, red packages, three, four dollars. He went out there and, and dressed in a suit and sold them for a dollar each. And he got about 50 bucks, right? He was kind of basically literally begging. Some people were just giving him $10. Uh, but that's what it takes to be successful. And his mentor was right. What doesn't kill you 
right? Makes you stronger. So whatever challenge you're going through, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And I woke up today, too, again, uh, taking care of my kids and not sleeping as much as I wanted. But hey, if it doesn't kill me, it'll make you stronger, right? Another thing is, you know, quitting. Like, I, this is a really good way he put it. Like, if you're quitting, you're just not quitting on yourself, but you're quitting on everyone who wants to make this belief happen. And that is a big responsibility. Think of all the people who joined network marketing. When you quit, you're also not letting them down. You're discouraging them. And that is really powerful. I actually never thought, about, thought of it that way, right? Uh, I would thought about quitting on my family. I would never want my kids to quit. But quitting on all the new distributors joining today, if I quit and they so I quit, they'll break their hearts, right? So never, never, never quit. Uh, another thing about developing leaders, and we're kind of jumping around here, is look at the details. Create small wins, right? Look at different ways to get your associates paid. Get that first check as quickly as possible. That's extremely important because uh, most people think goals, they think too big. Think short-term goals. I always, I always talk about in my trainings, in my coaching, think of the short, short, short-term goals, right? Not just what are you doing this month or this week, but what are you doing this today? What are you getting, what are you going to, what are you going to get done by the end of, by the afternoon? What are you going to get done by the evening? Short, short goals. That's how the people are super productive. They think very short, they have a big goal, but they chunk it down to really tiny short-term goals. What are you doing this hour? How about go make five follow-up calls this one hour? Raph, you finish listening to this, right? Break it down to short-term goals. You know, talk about ego. Uh, ego is not my amigo, right? The ego is the most expensive thing you own. And there, it's humbling. You may not listen to it, like it, but the reason you don't have what you want is you must change. The current you will never get to where you are. So if you feel like I know it all, you know, then you're, you're basically screwed and never get there, right? It's, you know, the late John Wooden, uh, the, the great basketball coach and also leader expert, was saying it's what you learn after you know it all that matters. Right? So, so true. Uh, let's see. A couple other things. Imagination. We all can imagine more. Imagine. You know, Ashley said, when was the last time? When were you? How old were you when you stopped dreaming? Right? When did you, when did you start dreaming again? Have an imagination. That's what motivates. Every morning I wake up, I'm imagining. Michael's, Michael's imagining things. Growing his mind. Imagining. Right? He, when he signs up someone, he's imagining those new distributors on stage already. Most people, they expect negative. If you're prospecting, probably some of you are expecting negative. You're expecting negative is not going to go well. Most people, you know, expect never. So don't expect never. Be prepared for the negative, but expect the good. Expect the positive. All right? Always give more value than you, the money you receive. Always promote, provide more value. Go beyond what's expect, expected of you, right? That's basically, the, you know, if you give, help enough people get what they want in life, you get everything you want in life, right? By Zig Ziglar. Always give more value than the money you, you receive. And the last thing is the million-dollar question. I love the way he handled it. It's just like, it's not just, a lot of times people say, do what you, you join groups of what you're passionate about. Not, not just passionate about, but could be curious. What are you curious about? Join a group, go out there, meet people, don't sit and hide at home. That's never going to grow your business. Really great show. Definitely connect with Michael Callejas. Get mlnation.net. Search for Mike. You see his last name, Callejas, C-A-L-L-E-J-A-S, Michael Callejas. And also, please, if you like the shows, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. They mean a lot. 
not just to our team, but also the community. Um, please subscribe, rate, and review. Let the community know. Let the Apple community know. Let the podcast community know how many people love network marketing. What an awesome profession this is. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and leave a, uh, uh, leave a review on iTunes. And if you like this, please share this with the community. I'll connect with Michael, awesome leader. Thank him again. It took me a year. I've known him for a long time, but he's still been very hard and Track down because he's traveling all the time. But great to finally connect with him. Like I said, I've known him for over 10 years. Uh, first, uh, 10 years, actually. The first time I met him, just watching him grow. It's really, really inspiring. So thanks again, Michael. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. I'm Simon Chan. I'm loud and proud to be in Network Market. And remember, we're in the profession to help others. So go out there and have a positive impact on someone's life today. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. So prepare to take off.